Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Before the Z-Wing Podcast. I am your host, Stefan Arnold. With me, as always, our co-host, my co-host, Travis Heiner. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Okay, so Boken Travis, how hello. are you, sir? I'm doing fine, I think. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> It's been a while. Yes. It's well, been a good. minute, hey, as they say. It's been a, such a long minute. We had a news episode, and then and now it's an old episode, and we're just going to throw it in the bin. It's been jettisoned, and we almost used it for target practice, but then we decided, eh, hold your fire. There's no life form, so we let it go. Oh, we can, you know what? This is what we'll do. We'll put it on our uh, Greatest Hits album as a lost track. Episode 20 news from may 2020 <laughs> but there's new news that i we didn't talk about but let's talk about it uh we both know about it i think new star wars game out or coming out star wars squadrons did, did you see the trailer for yeah that? oh i thought you're talking about star wars jenga i thought you're talking about the new star wars jenga theme game the, the license i'm kidding there's no <laughs> such thing yes star wars squadrons i'm excited about it i can't wait yes that'll be, that'll be fun uh i've played a little um star fighting in battlefront whatever it's called four or whatever where you're where the i <laughs> battlefront two, two there you go where you're the the girl the imperial it's battlefront two the second yes. time but when you're playing <laughs> Iden and then she becomes, uh, she switches sides there and you get to fly a wide variety of ships. But I'm sure Star Wars Squadrons will be much more dogfighty, which will be fun to, to try all the things out. But anyway, Travis, this... Yeah, you get to fly your Y-Wing. You get yes. to fly your Y-Wing. And we're going to talk about more. Y-Wing. Wow, I didn't realize how weird of a word that is to y say wing. a Y-Wing. I'm having trouble that with that one. Five times fast. Y-Wing. We'll come wow. up with something. But anyway, yeah. Travis, this is episode 20. <laughs> Wait, what, stop. What, what, We're going to talk what, about this. Did you know there's a VR element? So you can actually really feel like you're flying in a Y-Wing Not fighter. only is, is there a VR element, apparently it was built up from the ground uh, with VR in mind. So that makes total sense. That'll yeah. be really cool. Um, I don't think my brain allow, allows that. So get so, your get your um, but I get your 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 yeah, vomit no, bag I, next to you no. and eat lots of ginger, eat and then sit down and then pop on the goggles. Yeah, that's, and <laughs> that's an old rem, uh, an old remedy that I I don't know that works. But uh, yeah, kids, uh, go to your local ginger <laughs> it store. Actually, it works for me. Kids don't even. They, it's maybe it's a placebo, but it works. <laughs> yeah, kids, go on down to your uh, ginger store and get yourself some ginger and uh, have that before you play VR Star Wars Squadrons. Anything else about the game, Travis? And like the real, like a real ginger root piece. You got to just get a piece of ginger root. Like Mad Mardigan eats the black root and just put it in your your mouth and just start noshing on it while you're while you're fighting Tie Fighters. Exactly what he said. <laughs> anything else about the game before we move on travis it looks great there's a five minute trailer out if you really want to see what it's all about there is a five minute trailer on it uh hit the google machine and make it happen i do feel bad that they they took the team away from battlefront 2 before they had a chance to finally release um a very sought after and called upon update that would bring ahsoka tano padme amidala and maybe asajj ventress into that game my son and i we still play it quite a bit and it would have been nice to have those three characters integrated into the game so that's a big bummer uh, just oh well what are... ea is going to do what ea yes. does right i'm so. still <laughs> waiting for ea to put out a competent uh successor to SimCity 2000 it's only been about 25 years guys so make it happen let's go Oh, oh SimCity 2000, man. Ooh, I lost a lot of my life playing that game. Back in the day, my buddy and I, we'd get off work from our pizza shop and we'd drive to the college to go to the computer lab because back in the day, not everyone had these sweet computer <laughs> computers and we'd just play SimCity until three or four in the morning and then go home. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was super funny. And another side note, I got <laughs> a... Uh, $3,000 computer in 1995 for the express purposes Jesus. of, yeah, I'm old, of playing <laughs> oh, no. SimCity 2000. 
<laughs> what are you saying I'll know for? It, it, it ran fine on lesser machines. Was it 3000 I think it was. Anyway, it had a gig. You paid three grand yes. for a computer to play SimCity 2000. Yes, that's how much I love the game. Also, um, it listen. Wait, listen, <laughs> Travis. Listen to this. The sick I hard listening. drive space I had on this machine in 1995. <laughs> I had a one gigabyte hard drive. Boom. Wow. I mean, high roller. That was yeah. a lot of. A lot of stuff back then. A lot of stuff. A lot of a lot of space, <laughs> and a uh, 56k modem. Yeah, I was up there. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, yeah. And that machine, I got on AOL, and that's where I met my wife online in 1995. My future wife, 1995, met online and got married. How many people can beat that? Not many out there. If you're not a computer scientist or a university well, it might be... uh, wonk at that time, <laughs> not many people can say that, Travis. <laughs> Boom. Well, nowadays, more and more people are probably starting to say that. But In yeah, you're right. Back then. Do you know how long ago that is? I mean, yeah. people don't. People don't know how oh, the... Know. Like, if you're, if you're under our age, we're, Travis and I are both in our... Uh, Mid forties, let's let's say, uh, middle age. Middle age, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I hear lots of people just shutting off. Oh, these guys are way too old. No, but we're 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 in our mid forties. <laughs> but if you're younger than like thirty five, you just don't know the dearth of the computer world in nineteen ninety five. It just was almost non-existent. Uh, you know, the internet was just becoming a thing widespread beyond universities and computer labs uh you know one out of every five households had a computer it was it was you know it was back like in the 50s when no one had tvs and then you know one person in in the block would get a tv and you'd all watch um i don't know what was that show there was old shows anyway i was I was thinking of the one on Back to the Future where they were... I have a question, though, because okay. now you have me confused. Where did you live in 95? Besides in SimCity. in the best city in the world back then, still is today, the greatest city in the world, Seattle, Washington. My future bride lived in San Francisco, and, uh, you know, she... We met on a... Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, so... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I then ask her because you just painted a very oddly bleak picture of 95 as far as people who own computers. I lived in San Francisco in 95, as your mm. future wife did, and everybody I knew had a computer and internet access. We were all near DSL, uh, DSL? Is that, yeah, DSL centers. We all had DSL connections. We didn't phone in at all. And we gamed all the time. So I don't know. I don't. You, you paint this bleak landscape of the computers were such a rarity, but like I said, everybody okay, I knew had so one. So one thing, you were relatively young and a tech techie kind of guy, obviously. Not really. And no, not really. That wasn't technical. I mean, I went to film school. I was in art school, but that didn't necessarily mean that I had a computer. Okay. But you, you're, but. <laughs> you're more techie than most people, and... That means some of your most of your friends were and, and you're in okay. one of the biggest cities in America. If you were to go out a little bit further, sure, you probably one out of every two or every three people had a computer in San Francisco at that time. But if you were now to middle America, very few people had not not a computer. A lot of people had a computer, but like Internet access and, and all that stuff. I think it was I mean, it was good, becoming wide wider spread, but. The internet wasn't a wasn't a big thing. I mean, I guess I lived near Silicon Valley, which was yes. the home Thank of you. where well, all that blew up. So it makes sense as that... well. But yeah, I mean, how many? Um, there was like two ways to get online. <laughs> yeah, but Microsoft like... is in Seattle, so you're still on the hot well, hot true. seat for that yeah. too. But I mean, there was what two ways to get online? I, I forget what, what's the theme of this what's podcast that? again. <laughs> I said I forgot what's the theme yeah, of this podcast we're, we're, again. We're about ten minutes in. We haven't talked to Dang. Like about what we're talking about today. Let's get back into it. Beep, boop, boop. Oh, you should edit in that if you want to actually listen to Star Wars news, you should uh, go to minute 
12 or 10 or something. But anyway, Travis, let's start a talking. <laughs> Episode yes. 20 uh, officially, and we are going to talk about yes. the long-awaited review of The yes. Clone Wars Season 7, because it's only been out mm, six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. And with everything yeah. going on. But it's still fresh in my mind, which is awesome. Yes. So, yeah, it was. it's so fresh in my mind because I just saw the last six episodes within the last 24 hours. So I am ready to talk about them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, our previous podcast, guys, we did the, or one of the previous podcasts, we did the first four episodes uh, with the, the Bad Batch and all those guys. So that was a really uh, fun start to yeah. the season. So go back to listen to the, that episode if you want our takes on that. And uh, now the next uh, eight episodes focusing on Miss Ahsoka Tano, Travis's favorite Star Wars character, correct? And yep. still holds true. Good. So what'd you think, Travis? I mean, <laughs> our audience knows me by now. They know I'm just going to gush about this. I, I couldn't be happier with it. I, I thought the whole thing was extremely satisfying and and such a, a satisfying for all of Star Wars. It's like finally some really solid content with a really good ending has come out in the Star Wars, you know, franchise. And it was really nice. It's great that, you know, like I said, we, we talked about this early on in one of our first episodes about does Star Wars translate well into TV? And I think this show completely convinces the majority of fans out there who are hesitant about, well, does Star Wars ever work as a TV show? I mean, come on! If if this if the Mandalorian and the and the end of Clone Wars season seven doesn't impress you enough to believe to have faith that Star Wars can work as a TV show, then I don't think that Star Wars as a whole could probably satisfy you anymore. Yeah, I, I agree, uh, especially with the Mandalorian. Um, I've said a few times that I'm not a huge fan of the animation, um, but it, it it was a very good story, and it and it had a lot of good things that I liked about it. Um, but it, it definitely worked. It was a, it was a good story. So, um, it was interesting because I didn't know, you know, uh, well, I, I wouldn't say I didn't know, but it was interesting to look at the other side of, of what was going on near before the clone wars and, or during the clone wars, not, not so centered on, um, Anakin and Obi-Wan there with Ahsoka Tana taking mm -hmm. the lead in the last eight episodes. What did you think about the uh, two or three series episode arc where she went down and uh, met the sisters and had some uh, spice running experience? Um, so I understand a lot of people were like, come on, don't Boris get to the chorus. This feels like don't filler. Don't Boris get I had to faith. the chorus. Yeah, sorry. It's an old old thing I learned from my music <laughs> class. Um but for me, I had faith that the reason why Filoni had, had basically handpicked these 12 episodes, you know, Bad Batch, the middle four episodes, and then, of course, the finale was that he really wanted, he knew what the ending was going to be, and so he really needed to bring the character development to to make us have the feels when the time came. You know, the first four episodes were sort of a Rex, Captain Rex-centric thing, and it brought us back into the, the world it also gave us a chance to reconnect with the clones, giving us this special group of clones, but still reminding us who the clones were and how they served with the, the Jedi and their commitment to one another, right? The middle four episodes with the, the Marte, Martez? Martez sisters, right? Yeah. With the Martez sisters, it was really just bringing us back up to speed with where Ahsoka was and how she, where she, her place was in this whole thing after, of course, leaving the Jedi Order at the end of season five. And it was nice to see her sort of grow up brief and a little redundant but for the most part i was very satisfied with it we got that cameo from dryden voss so putting some solo references in there of course we it got us back into the whole mode of where's darth Va or darth maul's place in this whole thing um and i thought that was really satisfying and it, i think it dovetails right into oh, of course brings bo katan in and i think the whole thing dovetails beautifully into the final four episodes so we're we open up the final four episodes already at pace. We're not having to pick up and just start with a cold start on that, that kind of scenario. It was really just, it, it's for me, it felt more like eight episodes for the finale, not just the final four, even though the final four were incredibly special. Yeah, absolutely. I, I enjoyed the, the middle four episodes as well. Um, it was, 
you know, it was interesting that they brought in that that arc where the sisters lost their parents uh, due to, uh, a, you know, a, a Jedi chasing uh, someone down into the underworld and the, the crash actually killed the parents. Yeah. Um, and so they had a... Zero the Hut. They were chasing chasing Cad Bane and his crew as they broke out Zero the Hut. And I remember that episode when they... When, the minute she talked about how they were chasing some crime lord or something like that, some hut, I'm like, oh, this is that episode where Cad Bane was introduced to him and his little bounty group, bounty hunter group. Um, there were some, some assassin droids similar to IG-88, IG-11 were in there. Um, and then there was also, uh, Aura Singh. She was a part of that crew and they, they did this thing where he, uh, he held the Senate captive and then tried to kill him. And that was all just a, a, a what's the word I'm looking for? Diversion. Yeah. Thank you. It was a full on diversion to, so he could break out zero the hut and negotiate that. And so if you watch the end of that episode, you see them flying off. But the cool thing about what this episode does is that, Hey, they didn't just fly away. The Jedi gave chase and in the ensuing chase, there was collateral damage and this is the impact that has on people. And you had even said, I think at one point you kind of wish you'd see how other lives were during these moments of the main characters. Yeah. It, it doesn't really give us the, sh- you know, it sort of violates the whole show don't tell sort of thing. But if you have to resort to telling us about the story, cause you can't show us, they did a great job of showing the emotional weight and the consequences of, of what had happened in the past. And it was all through Ahsoka's interpretation of what she was being told, like, oh, wow, we really did fail these people, and we continue to fail these people. Yeah, and uh, that is that episode on your episode greatest hits list that you have? Wow, interesting you said that, because I, I was actually thinking of cutting it. Um, I was thinking about cutting all the Cad Bane stuff out. I think Cad Bane's an intriguing character, and I, but... Because he didn't really have much of a presence at the end of the series, there was a part of me was like, well, if I really want to trim this down, is Cad Bane an essential part of the storytelling? Because he was supposed to have a bigger role in the development of Boba Fett, and we know that there's probably some Boba Fett material coming out in the near future. Um, so that remains to be seen. But, you know, because they mentioned this, I think we can get away with not having that those episodes be watched as far as the essential collection. So if you're looking for sort of these ancillary stories that sort of touch into the waters of the main saga of clone wars with anakin obi-wan and ahsoka i I would keep it in there might as well yeah it doesn't hurt i mean it's a tv show tv shows are supposed to have lots of episodes that is true yeah the the main point uh, i was making before you just went on and on (laughs) was um (laughs) that we do have an essential episode list for the clone wars if you haven't heard about that it is uh in order, chronological order of what happened when and just the the essential episodes, 83 episodes that Travis may tweak here and there uh, with these last ones coming in. But that is on Suboken.com, S-U-B-O-K-E-N.com. And just search for The Clone Wars and you'll see that list and you'll be able to know which ones are the important episodes. All right, Travis, at... And what, did, what, wait, wait, and just a really quick, just to reinforce that. And what infor, it, what informs that list is not only the, the main story arc that is the Clone Wars leading up to Revenge of the Sith, those events, but also things that sort of lead into or introduce other story arcs from other properties, you know, like Rogue One, Solo, and of course the Rebels cartoon show. Yeah. All right. Now, the, we, we, we've gone past the sisters. They uh, got the spice back. Oh, before I we move on, you know what I thought thought was really cool and looked really cool was the the lead Pike guy. He looked like a a surfer gangster. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I, I don't remember his name, but he had he had the like the I don't remember. He his had name like, either, you know yeah. he had the big old hair piece or whatever it was and the and the and the glasses. Yeah. He just he was a cool looking. And the constant bloodshot eyes from smoke and spice all day. And yeah. he, he was a he was a cool looking guy. But anyway, let's move on to the. He could be played by Matthew McConaughey in the movie version oh, easily. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's move on to the final four episodes where Ahsoka Tano is hunting. I do have one piece of trivia for you though about those middle four episodes. Okay. If you watch the original animatic versions of those, the the sisters weren't originally part of that story arc. Ahsoka was supposed to meet a young boy, and there was supposed to be hints at some kind of a 
romantic or relationship interest going on there. And a lot of the same things were happening. Like he had the repair shop and then she he got knocked out while the guy was coming to collect the money and then Ahsoka beat them up. And when the guy came to, he was like, well, what happened to those guys? And they ran away, but they, uh, they changed it. They didn't want to, they didn't want to overcrowd the themes of the story, but having Ahsoka being introduced to some kind of love interest. So he just went straight for something a little bit more, I thought more poignant. Yeah. That's, um, it's interesting that they made that switch. Um, so what do you think about the last four episodes where we see Darth Maul and, they had to go after Darth Maul, of course. Wow. Um, so originally, I, I was kind of hoping I would not watch them in, as they came out. I wanted to save it because I think at one point, um, Sam Witwer had come into an interview saying that the script was so emotional and it was great and that it really just played like a movie. I was like, well, it'd be kind of cool to not watch these as episodes, but watch them in like a marathon, like a, a binge for the final four, but I couldn't, I couldn't hold off. I had to watch them. I had, I just couldn't deal with it. <laughs> just <laughs> give it to me now. <laughs> and I, you know, I watched them four times in between. So I watched the first one. It came out and I watched it like four times within that week. And then the second one came out and I watched the first one and that one a couple times in order. And I just kept, kept revisiting over and over just to absorb as much as I can. Cause I thought they were so compelling and I loved their handling of intermixing these moments with moments from Revenge of the Sith. I, I think I'm, you may have recalled I had mentioned I was really worried about how they were going to blend those two moments together yeah. um, if they're redoing scenes. But I thought they did a, a, a fantastic job. Um, and don't let me forget to tell you a little story about that when the time comes. <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was interesting. Um, Darth Maul's on Mandalore doing his stuff and... Uh, had to go get him. Now, I was surprised that it wasn't more of a uh, imperative that Anakin and Obi Wan went down to help Darth Maul. I mean, they isn't he the biggest enemy they're facing besides Grievous at that point? I mean, there's rumors of Darth Sidious, right? But they don't know much more about that. So, wouldn't he be their biggest target? Or am I wrong? I, I, I still think that for them, the Republic, public enemy number one for the Republic would still be Dooku and then Grievous. Um, they kind well, of... Dooku was dead at that point. They, but I mean, going into it. Yeah. Um, so if you're saying it's strange that once they had killed Dooku, they didn't return to go help her on Mandalore, that's really where some of... This, I don't know, it's a little hazy as far as the timing of this, but I... Yeah. Um... In a, in a few moments, I'm going to talk to you about something I did that was extremely OCD and extremely nerdy, uh, but it might it might fill in that that question. <laughs> I think you probably already sense it where I'm going to go with that, but I'm going to save it because I have to keep our audience waiting for something important or at least yes, intriguing. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And laughable. So, yeah, it was interesting that Darth Maul was able to... But, but think of it this way, though. I mean... Mandalore, I mean, they even mentioned it in the episode, Mandalore had a treaty with the Republic, but the Republic was not supposed to get involved with Mandalore. Obi-Wan got involved with Mandalore briefly because he was trying to protect Satine, but he, he didn't go there with the blessing of the Jedi Order, as far as I can recall. He went there on his own to kind of save her, um, and then he left, and then Bo-Katan said to him as he was leaving, tell the Republic what's happened here. So I think there's an argument to be made like, well, did he tell the Jedi Council and by extension the Republic what had happened and then they decide not to do anything about it? Because in that very same episode where Obi-Wan escapes, Darth Sidious shows up and takes Maul out. And so it's possible that word got back to the Republic via Palpatine, who was actually there, saying Darth Maul has been neutralized. We don't need to worry about him right now. And I think there's even uh, some lines in that story arc from, I think it was season five, where that L goes down, where Palpatine is talking to the Jedi Council and says, we, we shouldn't worry about Darth Maul. Let him, let the Mandalorians deal with him. Our concern is the Clone Wars. Um, because secretly he was going to go take care of him himself. And so he didn't want the Jedi to get involved. So it's possible that, you know, the, the Chancellor's office is putting pressure on the Jedi Council to not pay attention to Darth Maul. Darth Maul wasn't really seen as a galaxy threat necessarily. He was definitely a presence in the crime syndicates and an issue for Mandalore, but Mandalore was independent. They weren't a part of the um, 
the separatist movement, nor were they a part of the Republic. So really, it was up to them to, to deal with their own situation. Okay. For those of you who haven't heard many of our episodes, I'm the average fan and Travis <laughs> is a super fan. So now I'm going to ask a stupid question because I'm comes. confused. So Palpatine went to take out Maul or did take out Maul at some point? I What? Why would he? Was I thought Maul was his his uh, apprentice until Anakin yeah, showed up. Yeah, no. No, 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 my See, friend. You need to watch the show. Do you want me to give you a breakdown? I'll try to make it as short and concise as possible. You've got How's 30 that seconds. That's going to take me a minute. So okay. Darth Maul was Palpatine's apprentice and basically his muscle. And Palpatine used him as a weapon to finally make his move to, to kind of get the ball rolling. But whether or not he anticipated Maul to be killed is has not been determined in the books. It's been alluded to, but some of that content is no longer part of canon. So there's some confusion there. So anyway, let's just make an assumption that Palpatine did not rely on Darth Maul as such an integral part of his plan that when Darth Maul was allegedly killed by Obi-Wan Kenobi, he didn't seek him out. He didn't, he was like, hey, okay, he's dead. I got to find me a new apprentice. And he does. He finds a new apprentice in, in Count Dooku, Darth Tyrannus. Now in the Clone Wars series, Darth Maul, his attachment and his hatred, fueled by the dark side, maintains his life force, and he's dumped into a trash truck or something like that and hauled off to this planet where they just dump all the refuge from all the planets, I assume. It's this crazy, inhospitable place, but he rebuilds himself there. So basically, he creates these robotic spider legs from the junk around him, but he's gone insane. And it isn't until... Mother Townsend from Dathomir, in a plot to assassinate Count Dooku, tries to trick him into offering him a new apprentice because Asaz Ventress has been betrayed and she's left for dead, but she's secretly behind the things. It's a big, complicated story. But anyway, Darth or Darth Tyrannus, Count Dooku, is presented with another Dathomir male for his new assassin, his new apprentice. And it just so happens, small world as it is in Star Wars, that this Dathomir male, Savage Opress, is the biological brother of Darth Maul. And when Savage Opress decides that he's going to go rogue because he's pissed off at how Dooku's treating him and he feels betrayed by everybody, he runs to Mother Towson and said, I've failed, I couldn't kill Count Dooku, and I was betrayed by Asajj Ventress, whatever. Mother Towson said, you know what? You need to team up with your old brother. You need to go find him. Here's a stone. It'll blink at you when you get close to him, whatever. So he goes and finds Darth Maul on this planet, and he basically brings Darth Maul out of his insanity, and then Darth Maul remembers his purpose. But Darth Maul is not in allegiance with Darth Sidious anymore. Basically, Darth Maul is acting as his own Sith Master, and Asajj, uh, sorry, Savage Opress is his apprentice now. Ah. And so for a brief moment in time, there are basically two Sith Lords, so to speak, Sidious yes. and Maul, and then... Acting independently, acting independently. Yes, gotcha. Right. All right, that makes a lot more sense. And so I think that's why Ahsoka refers to him as the renegade Sith, Sith Lord or whatever. So basically, Maul returns to his what he was trained to do. And not only was it to be a, a, a Jedi killer, but he was supposed to be the part that destabilized the system. He was supposed to infiltrate the crime syndicates and then make them such a threat that it would cause all this confusion to everybody. And in this process of getting the Pikes and everybody, Black Sun, under his banner, his leadership, as he still stayed relatively in the shadows behind everything, he finds himself on Mandalore. They, The Mandalorian terrorist group, Death Watch, which we see in The Mandalorian, by the way, that's how connected this stuff is, it's kind of cool. They replace his, his spider, or they replace some legs that got damaged, give him new legs, so the legs he currently carries. And then through <clears throat> some backstabbing situations, Dar Darth Maul kills the leader of Death Watch. The, the leader of Death Watch is the one who has the dark saber, and so now Darth Maul, in possession of the dark saber, is the, the of leader of Mandalore. Gotcha. Exactly. But then, because he's done this, and because Darth Maul is now becoming more and more public and out in the open with his machinations, with whatever he's doing. Darth Sidious is forced to pay attention to him again. Like, okay, this guy, he, you know, a kudos to him for bringing himself out of out of what was 
chaos and death, and now he's doing what he was supposed to do, but he's his own Sith master, and I got he's a rival now, so I gotta go take this guy out. So he he tells the Jedi not to pay attention to Mandalore, what's going on there, because he then he secretly goes to Mandalore, he shows up, and he has this pretty impressive fight between Asajj Press and Darth Maul, and the Darksaber is involved, and it's pretty intense, and, and Sidious wins, he beats him. There's a small hole about how Darth Maul got away from Sidious and back to Mandalore. It's covered in the comics. It's not very satisfying, but anyway, that's where we're at. That's why Maul is back on Mandalore and why he's the leader. I see. That is very Okay, five minutes, not two, not one yeah, minute. That was, <laughs> that was a little long and a little deep, but that's what. That's but how don't we you feel more satisfied that you know that? Podcast. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, but all right. Cool. Well, yeah, so, uh, you know. They had some good good fights and all that happened and uh, then boom, it's pretty much uh, pretty much over. So what what do you want to say about the uh, final episodes? Well, it's heartbreaking. Would you? I mean, what was your impression with that? I mean, how did you feel when it was all over? Did you feel satisfied? I mean, I know you didn't watch all the series, so you're kind of coming into this seeing it as more of a standalone sort of thing, right? Yeah, more of a standalone. But I mean, I enjoyed the, where what they did with Ahsoka Tano and. Um, I every time I saw them the the Republic gunships, I was like, "Those are cool ships," by the way. But and they uh, escaped in a Y wing. And they escaped in a Y wing. Yes, I was going to mention that the the pivotal scene of the of the uh, of the uh, whole series was Y wing. That's why the Y wing is the best ship out there. <laughs> I totally thought of you when they when they got in. I'm like, oh god, Stefan's gonna love this now. At least that's the one thing he can hold on to with this episode. They yeah. escaped in a white wing. Yeah, could you have done that in an X wing? No, nowhere else for her to sit. She no. would have died. You would have lost a Sokotano if the X wing was there instead of a Y wing. Boom. Thank um, you. Y no, wing. that doesn't follow. She could have held on to the wing. He could have gently landed her on the planet surface. Oh yeah, gently fine. landed. But you're right. No problem. The two cockpits is kind of nice. Yes, <laughs> it's handy. You want to hear the more about sorry. the top vehicles of Star Wars? Let me tell you, we have an episode about that. It's our best episode <laughs> out there. I've said it before. If you haven't listened to it, go check it out. Top 20 vehicles of Star Wars. Well, what do you think, you Travis? Know when you say that, it makes me, it gives me a little bit of pain. Because that episode was so long ago. Shouldn't our episodes keep getting better? And you keep referring to it like episode seven. And here we are in our 20s. And it's like, wow, we, we haven't really done better than that episode. Don't get me wrong. The episode was pretty awesome. But <laughs> you kind of hope that we keep getting, you know, raising the bar on ourselves. But yes, anyway. <laughs> I agree with that. But sometimes when you put out an album, Travis, track three is the best oh. al- uh, song. <laughs> and, uh, you know, sometimes seven, eight, nine are very good as well. Or ten. But uh, track three is the best best album like uh i think uh sabotage was the best song on uh, ill communication if i'm not mistaken now i have to look that up oh my god no no we're gonna have, we're gonna fight about this i have that album memorized you I, don't get wrong sabotage is a great song there's some really good tracks on there okay i gotta see if really it's the third tracks. song though that's what i'm saying Beastie oh Boys. i see you're just fact checking yes i'm just fact checking ill communication 1994 Sabotage with number six. I'm sorry. Sabotage with number six out of 20 songs. So anyway. but And you said that was 1994? That was so 1994. that was before computers were invented, according to your timeline. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but, um, well, you're such the big Ahsoka fan. Um, and, you know, there's really only been um, four really strong female characters so she's among those four obviously and you're the big fan what did you think about the the finale and how it all all ended and all that heartbreaking it was totally heartbreaking um i think it elevates star wars as a whole her character for me tends to elevate star wars as a whole no matter what she does now i mean i i would have been really bummed if they if they dropped the ball on this but i just I'm, 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 in a way, I'm kind of speechless. I mean, I don't have a lot to say, but I'm so happy that this turned out so good, and I'm so happy that she was at the center of it. Her and Rex. Um, My question I, is, I, I how did they I mean, dig like fifty graves? But maybe she just used the. Well, force. the thing is, 
I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, first. they they might have been there for a while, like, pulling supplies. I mean, imagine how heartbreaking it is for Rex. I mean, those are his, his brothers, and he's got to go through that wreckage with her and pull those bodies. Now, considering how many people were aboard that Star Cruiser, uh, you know, Venator class, that's very few bodies that they actually buried in that last shot. I mean, maybe just for composition's sake, they had to make sure that it filled the screen in a certain way. They couldn't really just bury all the bodies. That would just be insane. But at the same time, it, it kind of conjured up me the the when the we went to war in Afghanistan when the they showed that photo leaked out with all the caskets and the, the flags draped over the coffins. It's very similar to that. I, it was a very powerful moment, and it's kind of powerful that Star Wars would go there. I mean, if you think about how the series began. I wouldn't say it was a kid's show, but it was definitely not as mature as where it leaves us. So it's mm-hmm. it's great to see that a TV show could sort of start with a particular age range or demographic and then mature with them or anticipate maturing with them in such a way that, you know, we can talk about the gravity of what we're dealing with right now. And I'm... I'm kind of blown away that, I mean, it's it's just great to see that Star Wars can achieve that kind of emotional impact. Um, I, I was crying. I was crying at the end. I thought it was in, insanely heartbreaking. Um, Travis, Dave Filoni's gone to say Star that. Wars. Yes, there is. <clears throat> you didn't cry when Vader died? You didn't cry when Aunt Peru died? You didn't cry when Obi-Wan died? You didn't cry when R2-D2 died? C-3PO got pulled apart? No, I'm kidding. I'm exaggerating those things. <clears throat> uh, no. Anyway, you anyway. didn't cry when... CT-157 got shot down and did the Wilhelm scream as he fell down to the chasm of the Death Star? No? Okay. Just no. I, I, did, I was sad when... Uh, when um... Jesse? <laughs> Who's Jesse? No. The, uh... Jesse was the clone commander who turned on them. They were face-to-face. No, it was Rex against Jesse. Animated things. I'm oh. talking to Rogue One, <laughs> the robot. Uh, oh. K2. K2SO, yes. That was sad. Yeah. He was getting shot at. Yeah, it was sad. And he, he like, closed the door, and then he said goodbye, and then he got shot and yeah. killed. That was sad. And I think for something like Star Wars, it's important to have that kind of stuff. I don't. It bums me out that... I don't want to turn this into a bashing the sequels thing, but when you when you shy away <laughs> from having that kind of... Those character moments, it, it really diminishes the stakes that are involved and kind of makes everything seem a little i don't know just there's no stakes there's no tension it really kills the tension unless you have consequences to what's going on this is a war this is a continuing war good versus evil Mm -hmm. and when we have characters like that that are compromised in ways that are very heartbreaking and we'll talk a little more about anakin's compromise um that it just makes the whole thing it sells the the myth of the storytelling and the basically what the morals behind it, the message behind the story. When you have stakes like that, they're really, you know, you sink your 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 love and attention into these characters, and they 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 are sacrificed in ways that are very hurtful, without it be just blatant violence. You know, I mean, those clones. If you if you watch the whole series, the the clones as a character as a unit. It's very, I mean, we know what's going to happen. We've seen it in Revenge of the Sith, but what we don't know in Revenge of the Sith is what was the relationship between these clones and the Jedi and what was the relationship between the clones and their and themselves. Yeah. And what the Clones cartoon series does in huge ways is it humanizes them. It, it makes them sort of our surrogate into this world in so many cool ways. And then when you see them turn and they, they don't question it, they just think this is what I have to do. That's that's painful, and so it's painful to see Rex like when he's crying because he's like, "Hey, these guys are gonna die because of this order. They're this is what they're bred to do. This is what we're programmed to do, and we will stay and go down with the ship, and they're gonna do everything they can to follow their orders because that's how loyal they are." Revenge of the Sith is forever changed because of what this Clone Wars series has his series has done episode seasons one through seven. As much as we've bashed the prequels in the past. We did review all of them. Yeah. I think this series and particularly this finale redeems them in, in so many so many ways. Yeah, it was a good it was definitely a good show and good to see some of the main characters and, and you know, be brought uh closer to the clones. As you as you said, you know, it, it is tough to see um uh, some of the clones we we liked, you know, have their have their fate sealed in such ways. And it, I even like when they were 
fighting on the on the bridge there near near the end of I don't know is maybe episode ten or eleven. It's just like they're all like just charging forward and getting shot down and stuff. It's it it was a little yeah. rough, but um, you know it is it is what it is. A good good ending for Rex at least, and and of course Ahsoka. Uh, anything else, Travis? Before we call it a show. Yeah, so <clears throat> I've kind of alluded to this, so here we'll go. Are you ready? Okay. Are you ready? Uh, uh, I'm ready. So, you know how I, you know, I'm, I we haven't had a chance to actually cover it in our episodes yet, but I have like this ultimate fan viewing experience that I've sort of curated for my my son. Um, something I was excited about and anticipated was how would this finale reshape if at all, the way I presented the viewing order of Star Wars. Um, and of course, I'm talking about the the version of Star Wars that I have that are slightly modified because they intercut scenes from Revenge of the Sith as flashback footage to introduce that backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've watched the finale, the last four episodes, the, the main, the final arc several times in you know the week and a half after it came out. And I was getting our son caught up to those moments in the Clone Wars, because this is this is it for him. Because after this, we we kind of it's a it's a sprint to Return of the Jedi. You know, we're gonna see re, rewatch some stuff to kind of put the, the stitches together. But you know, he's watched Empire Strikes Back a year ago, and the the notion that of who Vader is in relationship to Luke has been kind of on his mind, and so he's been a little confused about who Anakin is because he's seen Anakin now through the Clone Wars series as a hero. And there's been these allusions to who Anakin really is, but I don't think it ever really sank into him, probably because of his age, but just it never he never really connected the dots like Anakin Skywalker is Luke Skywalker's dad. Because in his mind Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker. He he's six. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so I wanted you know, I I don't have enough confidence in the movie Revenge of the Sith as a standalone piece that I would like ever wish anybody to watch it there's some really bad parts in it it's got some weak points weak points that are for me in a in a, in a way unforgivable so i just kind of cut the best scenes and put them sprinkle them as flashbacks into the the um old original trilogy um sacrilegious as that might be to some of our friends to hear that some of our fans to hear that but so i wanted to kind of like present these four episodes and intercut them with revenge of the sith as those two things were happening together so it begins with the cartoon and, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan are on that bridge and then they see Ahsoka and then they get called away. And then I cut to them being called away and going to Coruscant and saving the Chancellor. And then I cut back to Ahsoka and the Siege on Mandalore. And so I found these very strategic areas to cut back and forth as we were watching it so that it became more of a four hour thing. But I broke it down into the, the, the four episodes basically between the two. So it kind of preserved that episodic feel. And that was hugely impactful and he started asking all the really important questions about wow why is anakin doing this and then what the clone wars as a whole does is goes so far to explain it doesn't 100 percent perfectly explain it but it gives you sort of this this glimpse of a rationale that would lead anakin to these moments and he went and he talked to mom he went to talk to granddad he's like this I can't believe it. And Anakin becomes Darth Vader, and this is why he did it. He wanted to save Padme, and he got lost, and the dark side took over because he thought it would help him, and he lost faith in the Jedi. And it was, it was. I think it was what I, I you know, I can't speak for George Lucas, but I think it was what George Lucas had intended for the mm-hmm. reaction. Like, wow, this is what happens to him, and he thoroughly had that experience. And cool. I, that's a, kind of what I love about Star Wars is because it gives us a chance to have that huge, impactful mythical storytelling experience about what happens when we succumb to selfish needs when it happens when we become too attached to the things that we love that they basically own us now right this is a perfect example of that now he's already gone through the the original trilogy up to empire strikes back so now we finished the clone wars and revenge of the sith and now we just watched solo two days ago and that was very exciting for him. We're finishing up Rebels because Rebels dovetails into Rogue One. So he's finally going to see that. He hasn't seen Rogue One yet. Then we're going to rewatch A New Hope, rewatch Empire Strikes Back. And then we're going to go into Revenge of the, uh, Return of the Jedi. And he's going to have 
all of that behind him. He's going to know the struggle that Anakin's gone through to get him to that point. So I'm, I'm really hoping that when that pivotal moment happens, when Vader does what he does, when confronted with a choice between his son or the Emperor, hopefully my son will like will, will feel that, wow, the one person in the entire galaxy who had faith to bring back and redeem his father won. And for me, that's that's the end of Star Wars. I think that's the perfect that's the that's the ending for Star Wars. There is no sequels. There is there's material that comes after it. The Mandalorian's great. But as far as the the most important thing about Star Wars, the overall story is that redemption arc. And I think that Revenge of the, or God, I keep saying Revenge of the Jedi. <laughs> Return of the Jedi is that ending. Right. And this 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 Clone Wars finale adds so much worth to the original trilogy and especially return of the jedi because of what happens i kudos to dave filoni his crew carry back um oh yeah i uh i really enjoyed uh a lot of the score by uh, kevin kiner there so that was that was really good like some of the the, the pivotal p- pivotal scenes when i think she went when she was uh setting the the bombs i think there was some good music there too so good stuff well, there's a lot of lot of leaning on Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also some leaning on um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That was in there a lot. And yeah, I mean, all those music cues and some original music cues that were like he just kind of, you know, he in the Clone Wars and especially in Rebels, he really leans in on on John Williams's track record for what Star Wars is to keep that Star Wars feel. But I, I kind of think that because of what was done with Mandalorian, like completely divorcing themselves from the John Williams score, but still doing something that's successful, kind of gave him that, him and Dave Filoni, just kind of gave him the courage, like, hey, let's not let's not just do what's been done before. Let's not just, you know, I mean, yeah, the themes are there, but he, re- man, and did that not create a, a mood? Yeah, like it was good. The third episode where they bring Maul out in the in that that container or whatever it is. And all the way to her talking to Rex on the bridge to Order 66. I mean, that that music, I mean, you know what's going to happen. You know what's coming. And it is so inescapable that what is about to happen, you just don't know how these particular characters are going to survive through it. We know they live because we see them in Rebels. But wow, what is about to happen? And that music just, you're right. Kevin Kiner did a beautiful job with all that, that music. Yeah, it was good. When, when you... When you uh notice the music uh that means it it's impactful because it's it's adding to your experience anything else sir as we uh approach uh 40 45 minutes depending on how you edit this of this story if anything i just wish we could keep talking about it but no i get it yeah it's a podcast um i I hope we get to talk about it again i mean we'll probably talk about in 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 you know, how it's connected to other things coming down the road, like Mandalorian season two is coming up. There's yes. heavy rumors that characters from this is going to be showing up in there as well. Of yes. course, when we do our review of the original trilogy, there'll probably be references to Clone Wars and what it's, what it's set as far as these character development. Um, so it's just amazing. I'm so glad that there was, I'm so glad there's some really good Star Wars coming out. Um, it's too bad the sequels turned out the way they did. And if you haven't, if you haven't caught my, I mean, we've talked about this before, but I think I originally enjoyed Rise of Skywalker, but I think in hindsight, as I've just kind of thought about it, it's really it's really kind of dropped off. Don't think about it too much. I shouldn't. <laughs> I'm just but we have to review it eventually. That, but I know. We are definitely going to do all the uh, reviews of those. If you haven't heard, we did do the reviews of the first three movies um so go check those out and we'll be doing a new hope and empire strikes back return of the jedi of course we're going to do those after rogue one and solo coming up here in the near future and uh it's going to be fun but first travis our next episode's going to be on the lighter side it's going to be a little fluffy just like our (laughs) vehicle episode and we'll fig- we'll have to figure out a way to select them, but we're gonna do a top twenty show of something, maybe droids, maybe something else, I don't know. But we're gonna do a top twenty show of something, 
and it'll be fun. So we do top 20 music cues, top 20 droids, top 20 characters, top 20, top 20 planets, top 20 blasters, top 20, top 20, 20 speeders. <laughs> yes. Anything else, sir, before we sign off for the evening? Always, always tons, but let's go for it. (laughs) (laughs) You need a second uh, podcast that you uh, do yourself called uh, Deeper Than the Uh, (laughs) Z-Wing. It's like the after show. (laughs) Yeah, the (laughs) Z-Wing. There you go, the Z-Wing after show. Um, All right, guys. Well, we haven't had a conversation in such over a month now, it feels like, that I mean, of course, I want to talk a lot. I haven't had a chance to, to flex this muscle. So here we are. Uh, yeah, we'll probably have a new episode sooner than later. So it'll be good to get back into it. Um, but yeah, if you want to advertise on this podcast, just shoot us an email at b4thezw at gmail. Uh, we reach hundreds of Star Wars fans, maybe even thousands at this point. And if you have want to reach them our rate ad rates are very low and normally i'd (laughs) also tell you about our social media presence but we haven't been posting a lot so there's nothing new so i'm not going to refer to that now you can certainly check us out on the google machine if you want to do that but we'll get some new content up there and then next time we'll tell you what our handles are yes travis i think that's a show my friend very good it's good to talk to you again Yes. Good to talk to you. Once again, guys, B4ZW. Never underestimate a droid. <laughs>